Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Reporters who have indeed reassembled on this very program where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ up there in New York City. It's the Daily Beast, Robert Silverman and Max the Dog because Andrew Hammond is not here yet. We might get Andrew later on, but we have a Max cam here, so... So that's it's great. That's, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, Andrew, but I, I have a feeling viewers are going to prefer. We're going to greatly <laughs> prefer a shot of a sleepy, somewhat bored dog. Look at yeah, him. Look he's at already that. moving around. He's he's yawning. That's right. People, no perfect. one's going to listen to a word you or I are saying, Chase. They're just going to go, "Oh, look at the puppy!" Like what just forty minutes of look at the, the puppy. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, what? And uh, people are like, what? What's what is happening over there? But you know what? No one else is doing this on YouTube. No one else is doing this no. in the podcast game. No one in the sports pod world has a puppy cam. Who thought this of is that? honestly we great? Did. We I thought hadn't considered that. it. I need to set up another one, just like for always, like a just another cam yes. for Khaleesi. Just like set it up and just have that going to see how she's doing. Um, great for content. Great for. Uh, keeping people watching the video longer. We know YouTube likes you to sit to they they reward uh, content creators that uh, have longer watching users. And the way to do that is Max the dog right here using the pillows like a good boy, like a human. He's using the the pillows like a human. Is there anything better than a dog using a pillow as a human? I don't know. I don't know. Why are we even talking about sports? There's a dog. There this is, is a dog. More, this is. This is far more interesting and uh, not in any way problematic ever, So, <laughs> which sports can be. So we got, I'm sorry. Sorry. I don't know. Sorry, uh, multi-billion well, dollar industry, the dog wins. Oh, 100%. Um, Bob, I had a rough night last night. Um, I'm sorry. What's that? Uh, Luka Doncic scored 70 plus points on my team last <clears throat> night. Um, I was wondering if we were going to discuss the Luka explosion. We have to because it's also there is like a because I look, I'm not a 
I, I don't ever want to be a Twitter main character. <laughs> it seems like a no, terrible. No, don't do that. No, don't. If you can avoid that, don't do that. Uh, it's happened to me. I'm going to say twice yeah. in a serious way. Two times. Mm-hmm. And the first time it was a little terrifying. The second time I was kind of used to it. So I knew mm-hmm. what to expect. Uh, and it wasn't that bad. And I dealt with it by walking away from a screen. I realized that is that there's a certain amount of privilege involved in being able to walk away from a screen. So, mm. uh, but the, you, like like all forms of self induced torture, you get used to it. But uh, mm. <laughs> anyway, you don't want to if you can avoid. It. No, and so with that being said, the reason that you you could were prompted be- to post something because. <laughs> Luca was single-handedly boat racing your beloved Atlanta Hawks. And as as fans may know, if the Hawks wanted to employ Luka Doncic, they could have. They could have. They could have. Instead, they decided they'd rather have Trey Young, an excellent basketball player, and Cam Reddish, who is no longer with the Atlanta Hawks. No. And... Look, that's where you could become the t- Twitter main character, where I just go off the deep end on the the Doncic, Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young stuff. Because the Trey, it, the thing about it is, Trey played fine last night, and Trey's been fine. Trey's yeah. been excellent for the majority of this year. He has been trying on defense. He's yes. always going to be targeted because he is five foot eleven and has mm. a terrible haircut. But he's got these physical limitations that you cannot overcome with no yeah. matter with 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 no matter how much effort and or scheming is involved yeah he is just physically limited in terms of what he can do in defense he can be more of a pest he can draw more charges he can be more active he cannot get he cannot you know but his defensive limitations are what they are those mm-hmm. are baked into the player that you drafted uh that said because the hawks have been such a tire fire all year Trey Young's excellent season has kind of flown under the radar. Yeah. And but he's been great. He has. And look, the bigger issue was DeJounte Murray, who was going rogue last night. And just you could tell that there was uh, the reporting on that was like speaking was some... of being the main character on Twitter. Yes. Was that I, I, I wasn't following all of it, but did he send his dad a message and have his dad post that for him? Is that what went down? Oh, I don't know about that. I I thought that's what I saw. In any case, his dad sent off a message basically saying, "You Atlanta Hawks fans don't deserve my son." And it's all going great, Bob. You yeah, know that really things is. are going really well when that's being tweeted out by the, I there mean, was a the family. I, I, the logic of the Dejounte Murray trade when it happened made a lot of sense to me. I mm-hmm. thought they could be uh, an excellent backcourt, but that was when Dejounte Murray was a plus defender, and he stopped being that in Atlanta. He's also just not, I mean, for me, the re, and I was talking to Brad Rowland from the pod of Locked on Hawks about this yesterday, where we had a come to come to Jesus moment on where the Atlanta yeah. Hawks are at this point in the Trey Young trajectory. And I was on this podcast, I guess, a year ago now, where like the rumors of like, okay, who do you, because the, the Hawks had the chips, right? They had their trade chips. They had their picks. They had this war chest of like, okay, they still could do one big move. They can make one right. big trade to surround Trey with somebody. And I was pushing Beal. 
And there was a lot of Hawks fans who were like, well, the defense will be terrible. You can't have a Trey and Bradley Beal defense. And that's why a lot of Hawks fans talked themselves into DeJounte. It's like, it'll balance out Trey. My thing is, you're never going to be able to balance it out enough to make it worthwhile. And I would much rather have the number one offense in the NBA for three to five years and see where that goes versus the offense has actually not been good for the Hawks down the stretch here. And a lot of it's not DJ's fault. But the offense has not been good enough to withstand the defensive limitations on this team. The defense is cratered. So now you not only don't have an elite offense, you have a terrible defense. And that's just it's why you're nine games under 500 right now. So for me, I was like in the NBA in the modern NBA, you can never have enough shooting. You can never have enough offense. And like the firepower of Beal potentially with Trey Young, it's like I I would go down that rabbit hole and die with it. This was when they made the DeJounte trade. This was yeah, because it was rumored of like Beal or DeJounte, and there were two camps right. of Hawks fans. And I was definitely in the camp of like, it sounds nice in theory to have the alternate, your turn, my turn, and bring in the defensive guard next to Trey. But I just, I was a believer in just hire D'Antoni, put, just emphasize Trey right. in the offense and do whatever you can to build the Steve Nash Phoenix Suns. Trey That's- Young still hasn't figured out how really to be and to do to be an effective player off the ball. And it's yeah. weird because he should be. His gravity alone should have a positive impact on yeah. spacing and bending a defense. If you run him through a million screens, you give him the JJ Reddick program and you say, mm-hmm. okay, you're going to keep running. And even if you never get the ball or an open shot, all of that movement by you will benefit this offense. Uh, and it doesn't, it hasn't happened. I, I don't think he likes playing off the ball. He's never liked yeah. playing off the ball. And it, well, you have Jalen Brunson up in New York and they're roughly yeah. the same size. Like, what it, does Jalen do that? Does Jalen do stuff that Trey like when you watch a Jalen Brunson game and a They're Trey game? What's it the out difference? This year. It took till this year. It took till this year for Jalen to figure out how to really do some interesting stuff off the ball with Julius Randle. When Julius goes and gets two feet into the post, he is his he, he is good at finding shooters on the wing. And you'll mm. if you watch clips of the two man game between Brunson and Randall. Jalen does an excellent job now of relocating to give Randall passing lanes. And that also, even if, but even if he doesn't, he can soften up the defense so that the help can't come from as clear a place to Randall. And then you've got other shooters around the wing that he can spray it to also. Jalen does that as well. I mean, like the Knicks offense is give the ball to Jalen and let him cook, which is remarkably effective mm-hmm. but they are figuring out how to leverage the uh two dominant ball handlers and make them work off one another um jalen has a, has a harder time creating jalen is not as good as as trey young is creating out of the pick and roll when 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 jalen goes into a pick and roll set he prefers to reject a screen drive and create space for himself that way because his mid-range game is so deadly and has so many moves and counter moves. He's not as good as running the pick and roll, accepting the screen, hitting a big for a pocket pass, hitting a big for an alley-oop, or whipping a cross-court pass to the weak side to an open shooter. Because of his size limitations, he just doesn't see the court well enough often to do that. And he's just not the passer that Trey Young is. Mm -hmm. So 
those kind of sets matter, like usually result in a Jalen Brunson ISO, which again has been excellent and high and very efficient offense for the Knicks. But he is figuring it out how to be an off the ball player. And they were, and before they traded Emmanuel quickly, the two of them together were an excellent backcourt size limitations notwithstanding, because they would take turns being the off ball guard in that set. Um, so yeah, J- uh, Thibodeau's offense is not complicated. It's very simple. He wants to do a couple of things very well. And if he finds something that works, he will hammer it again and again and again until the defense adjusts. Um, there is more movement now in the Knicks sets since they acquired Ananobi, and they're finding other wrinkles. But when they first, well, let's just take last year when they got an actual point guard in Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Those those sets were very, very, very... It was a lot of my turn, your turn with Julius Randle. Um, but, and the lane was very clogged, but Brunson could make it work anyway. Um, that's a roundabout way of saying, yes, Jalen Brunson. I mean, Jalen Brunson spent the first four years of his career with Luka Doncic, so he yeah. certainly knows how to thrive in an off-ball role with a heliocentric scorer. And maybe that's the difference with Trey. And that's part of like why coaching matters so much more when guys get in the league is Trey, you're, he's an all-star now. He's been in these circumstances. Like, it's really hard to now be like, hey, time to change. Like, there, you have to go into the league. It would have been helpful for Trey to go into maybe a situation where he was not the, the franchise centerpiece right away. Brunson went in knowing he was not, and he had to claw no. and no. learn to play off ball with Luca. Right. Brunson was, you know, he was a early second round draft pick. Yeah. As a fourth year senior, as a guy who was universally considered like, well, he might be a good backup when mm-hmm. he was coming into the league, or he'll be a solid backup. Not a lot of upside there. We'll take care of the ball. Defense is always going to be a problem. Not really a shooter. The biggest, the biggest change in Jalen Brunson's game from when he was in Dallas till now is. He is a volume three-point shooter. He can Hmm. create his own three-point shot. If you go under a screen to try to prevent him from getting into the lane, he'll just pull up and nail it. He's shooting, I think, now it's 42% from three. Hmm. And these are not wide-open threes. These are contested threes. Um, He can pull up into threes and just... if If you try to stop him from getting paint touches by hedging or mm. or or by by going under the screen he's going to do he's going to do bad things to you so he's now he has made himself not just an excellent three-point shooter but a three-point shooter from and he's starting to inch out to the damian lillard 27 foot range mm. or the Trey young range really where oh if i run a horn set from outside the three-point line mm. the defense has to worry about that so he has increased his range also, and that's really made him a devastating offensive player now. So oh, sorry, I didn't realize we were getting into Nick's talk. I thought we were having Luke. Well, Dante it all lends itself. It all brings it all <laughs> back with the Hawks because so Luca has this scoring explosion, and this was part of like a, it's interesting reading different NBA Twitter minds, and I feel like there's now a not a war, but there's a disconnect. Uh, between the folks who love these scoring explosions, because Devin Booker also had 60 last night. Luca has 70 plus. Embiid hit 70 plus Embiid this year. Cat has 62. 
um, a lot of scoring explosion is happening. And there are Twitter fan or there are NBA fans who are like, "This stinks it's, that this is happening this that, much." That the, and then there are the other ones who that, are like, Let's. "That NBA stats are juiced. That yes. these are not real sixty-point games like back in the day. Right. These are fake, fake, artificially inflated sixty-point games." But there are also There's people of- who are like, "Bob, do you buy the the argument that it's because you can't stop this because NBA?" just NBA offensive first guys who are just so incredibly skilled like Booker and Luca are just so good and so refined offensively that you it's, can't it's, do anything defensively to fix this kind of scoring explosion because they're so talented. It's a couple of things now. It is very, very hard to remain on an NBA roster now if you cannot shoot or are not seven feet tall. Yeah. You have to be a an excellent rim protector if you want if you if you're going to say i can't shoot if you give me an open 10 foot jumper it's probably a bad idea or no let alone an open 15 or 20 foot jumper it's a bad yep. idea like Knicks fans for example have been getting very mad at Josh Hart because he's not a good three point shooter and he's not a willing three point shooter even but so he's the vibes guy on the team the man keeps the vibe. vibes high the vibes are strong with Josh but t- mm. they get very mad at the way the offense get gunked up because Josh Hart's and Josh Hart is not a an awful shooter. We're not talking Andre Roberson defensive territory here. He's what's he shooting this year? I think 32% mm. three. It's below average, and those are all wide open looks from three. So yeah. it's not ideal. Um, I mean, we'll take him. You last, can have Garrison Matthews. You got attacked year, for standing <laughs> on the court last night and the off the last, bench. Yeah. Last year he was last year he had a very he got into a once the Knicks traded for him over the final 30 games. He shot something ridiculous from three. He shot like 30%. Mm. No, sorry, 50% from three to close out the year, which was really weird. Uh and this year he's just he's been both reluctant. I think fans would be fine with him hitting 32% if when he got the catch on a wide open shot, he just said, Okay, I'm open. I'm shooting. <laughs> I feel good about this. Mm-hmm. But he'll stand there and think about it, and the offense suddenly grinds to a halt. Um so, yeah, there is just, you know, there are a lot of good, Mike Prada's book on, uh, on the, three, you know, on the three-point revolution is very good at covering this. Um, it's a recommended read. Um, and and all, the, all the coverage that's been done about the way that just the amount of shooting has changed the way the game is played. Also, the other thing is, Teams are not bailing out defenses as much by taking lower efficiency shots. Mm. Yeah, the mid-range has largely has all of those mid-range shots have been pretty much eliminated, except for the elite mid-range scorers, guys like Devin Booker, Jalen Brunson, Shy Gilgis Alexander, for mm. whom that is an efficient shot. Shy Gilgis Alexander, by the way, as a guard. Who takes a lot of fifteen to you know twenty footers is shooting 50, close to fifty five percent from the field, but a lot of them are right by the rim. Like if you watch Thunder yeah. games, I watched two of them this week. Shea yeah. just there's something you can do with him. So it's like I guess maybe Shea is actually probably one who you could limit his scoring um, if NBA defenses were called differently, just because he is so good at navigating inside the lane and if t- like yeah. he's not like going to take a bunch of deep shots. Um, he's going, he's so good around the rim. He's so long. He just, he breaks through defenses and he's just at the rim 
with ease. Like he is just so good at getting to the rim. His back He's really fun back. to watch. Anyway, yeah. The, there's a, he takes a lot a, of free throws too. A, it's, it's the, I forget who wrote it. It's in a blog. Uh, if I can find it, I'll send it. We'll, we'll link it in the comments yeah. folks. It's that offenses have stopped bailing out defense. The reason offenses have, yeah. have exploded so much is not because the defense is bad or the players are soft or they won't call the whistles the way they did back in the day. Da, da, da. Mm. It's that offenses have stopped bailing defenses out by taking the shots the defense wants them to take. Mm. Um, and, and how so do you legislate offense, that out of the game? Like, how do you fix that? You you, you can't. You wanted these teams. I don't know, man. Lucas scoring 73 points is cool. And if you don't like that, you really I didn't think it was cool, Bob. I didn't sport. enjoy it. I, it wasn't yeah, fun for me. Okay. All right. Devin Booker putting up 63 was cool. Love that. that. I thought it was yeah. a much nicer way of scoring a lot of points, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, that's cool as hell. I'm sorry. Carl Anthony Towns, a sort of weirdly frustrating player in his own right. Just shooting the hell out of the ball and getting 60. That's awesome. Well, that's I don't stuff. I mean, it was awesome because it also got a coach in the press conference to be like that was the most embarrassing thing of all time and then anthony yeah, edwards yeah, yeah. backing it up being like yeah that was terrible we made a mistake yeah. but it was also like did you read the defector piece on cat's game from tom lee after that game did you read no, his, his blog no, about it it was so funny his last paragraph about the output i kind of want to find it and read it to you here because it's so funny that it was cat and he might be a nick soon you never know um no, not gonna happen I need to find this for you, uh, but keep going. And I'm going to read you this uh, graph. Sure. It's, it's so, one of the most devastating. Oh, here it is. I got it. I got it. You ready? Yeah. The internet's great. I'm fast. Quote from Tom Lee. For as disappointing and darkly funny as Towns' career best scoring night turned out to be, I can't say it was exactly surprising that things went this way for him. If you had asked me yesterday morning which NBA player was most likely to score 63 points while also being the key cause in an embarrassing loss to the Charlotte Hornets and have his performance overshadowed by a 70-point game from Joel Embiid on the same night, I would have picked Carl Anthony Towns. Some athletes stand out as an example of what it looks like to live a truly blessed life. Others are a reminder that even the best of us can't fully avoid eating shit. (laughs) It's just such a great graph. Strong (laughs) take. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I don't know what you can... I mean, do you... I'm not going to get into biz guy mindset and try to suss out what legislated changes to the game might improve audience for, you know, improve the NBA's... But that's my thing. It's like, do you have to improve it? Like, are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying NBA games less this year or no? No. No. Do you think the average fan is? When you're talking to basketball, fellow basketball fans, have they complained about it? Yeah, depending on the mm. age. Mm. Uh, I think it's like I, I'm, I, I, for fans who are really upset, take a moment to watch. Just you know, you don't even need to watch, say, the mid, you know, the late '80s Pistons or. Mm. A, you know a Knicks Bulls game when the physicality was really at its peak. I'm not asking you to go to, I'm not asking you to go to 2002 and watch Ricky Davis chuck up 30 shots or anything like that either. Watch a classic basketball game. Watch mm. a Lakers Celtics game from the 80s. That in theory 
should be considered the pinnacle of the sport. That is considered in many ways basketball's golden age. The Celtics are a revered dynasty. The Lakers are a revered dynasty. They made a TV show about the Lakers. It got canceled because it was bad, but they made that TV show. Uh, and uh, Jeff Perlman's sanctimonious ass can go sit on the sack. What? Who said that? In any well, case. Hold on. Yeah. We're, I, I think we might have different takes on We're this. taking pot shots at Jeff Perlman. I like but, Jeff Perlman. And there's a good blog. Did you read Will's blog was, about it? Speaking of the main character, he was wrong online this week. Um, I think it was. Uh, I kind of want. Have you read? What, do you read Will Leach's Will, Substack? Will Leach's blog? No, I'm not going to read Will Leach's Substack on this. I'm sorry. Jeff Perlman's pretty good. No Jeff Perlman has no idea what he's talking about. He has not been employed in the day-to-day trenches of journalism in 20 but years. But is he not? It, like, he's, it would be like me telling you how to find the good hiding spots in GoldenEye while yeah. playing like uh, Counter-Strike Go. It's not helpful or useful or relevant. But he means well. Okay, good for him. In any case... <laughs> but I, I don't know. Go, I, I'm always like, a, what is the meaning go, behind it? He means well. Oh, watch. Yeah, Road to Hell, man. What's it paved with? I don't. What is that? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Oh yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. that was an actual oh, thing to watch. Okay. okay, no. So watch one of those Lakers Celtics games. Mm. Sorry, they're not as fun. They're yeah. not as good as the basketball is now. Players are fighting in a phone booth. They are cramped <laughs> within the 15 to maybe 20 feet around the basket. Yeah, fast breaks are cool. The pace is cool. Larry Bird making shots is cool. Magic Johnson's passes are cool, but those are two of the all-time grades. I'm sorry, the basketball is not as well played as it is now. Full stop. And anyone mm. telling you otherwise is 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 either justifying their own nostalgia or trying to sell you something. It's just better, and it's different. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, think of us. Every single sport, we all. It's like with Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Mm -hmm. Live peaks when you are 14 years old. That is the best era of Saturday Night Live, regardless of who is on the show. When you are a 14-year-old, probably boy, that is when Saturday Night Live was at its absolute funniest. And it's like that with sports. We -hmm. get this idea in our head about, you know, the players today aren't built like they were when when I was growing up. Oh, the players and yeah. the you know the players now they they lack the toughness they lack the mental fortitude they're all in it for money they're celebrity you know they they're 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 infatuated with their own celebrity they're narcissistic self indulgent and lack the the deep dedication and skill and and devotion to their craft that the guys that I liked watching did it's mm-hmm. all it we 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 cannot we've all sung from this hymnal man and it's the same for every generation yeah so I'm just saying. These games are on YouTube. The whole game, by the way. <laughs> and if you wanted to, say, pitter away an afternoon watching some of Bernard King's best scoring outputs, like some of us might have done during Thanksgiving. Well, that's just because you're, you're, you've been yeah. a diehard Tennessee guy for I mean, yeah, decades true. ago. I, I, I'm talking about the Ernie and Bernie show here, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and Bernard King's game is wonderfully simple and beautiful, but a six, seven guy who 
lived in the low post probably is, would have to make some adjustments now. I, I'm sure Bernard King with modern training, modern equipment, and, and a modern approach would be just as awesome as Bernard King in 1983-84. Mm. But the game he was playing then doesn't translate. It's yeah. and it's 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 not I'm sorry, it's not as on a an objective, if it's possible to say that level. It is purely better basketball now. Full stop. Um factor. So in any box. case. So in any case, yeah. Are you still sad that the Hawks passed on Luka Doncic because they were They didn't pass on Luka Doncic. They traded Luka yes. Doncic, Bob. Yeah. They traded him. They had him. And then yes. they traded him. Right. Are you that still sad about that? Look, I, mean, I understand that. I get sad about the Knicks, say, picking Kevin Knox over, over Shy Gilgis Alexander. Well, here's what. I'm not sad about it. It's more that, like, this was, last night was just a devastating reminder of what could have been. But, like, Trey still won more playoff games to this point than Luka. Um, that's a positive. Uh, he's made the Eastern Conference Finals. That's a positive. I'm more sad that they got Kevin Herter. They traded Kevin Herter for nothing last year. They traded John Collins for nothing yep. this year. Um, Cam Reddish was a huge bust. Uh, the DeJounte trade where you gave an, you went all in has been a devastatingly destructive trade to the franchise. And now you're going to have to trade him. DeAndre back to somebody. Hunter has just never happened. It just hasn't happened. Never happened. He's never available. It's just never going to be a good thing. The one positive though, Jalen Johnson's an all-star. Like he's going to be a multi-time. extremely cool and good. Yes. yes, he's the modern so, Mari Stoudemire, okay, which is awesome. Put on, put on your uh, Travis Schlink hat, or mm-hmm. no, sorry, your Landry Field. I was gonna hat say it's now. Landry now, but yeah, 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 yeah. Put on your Jamie Gertz, your Jamie Gertz uh, Lost mm-hmm. Boys T-shirt. And are you Andy Routens in this situation? Yeah, it's okay. true. Uh, what do you do? I'm sure you oh, talked you... about it with Roland, but. Do you just tear it down? Do you give away Capella for whatever you can get? Well, that's the other thing. Capella could have been had. You could have traded Capella to the Mavericks for really a really good package this offseason. And Capella's been worse. So that's a distressed asset. Capella has not been the guy this year. And you could have got, like, you had a perfectly cromulent backup center ready to step in. Well, Onyeka hasn't made the leap. He's okay, but he's not a starting center playing 36 minutes. Because he hasn't gotten consistent run. I mean, part of it is like Anyeka when he's out there, it's not like he's just it's an obvious eye test. Like Anyeka should be yeah. gobbling up a bunch of minutes. Like it's not obvious to this point that I, Inyeka, I like him. I think he could I think he could have given you eighty percent of what he he's not a guy. He, no. I've yeah. always been dubious of Anyeka. Um and also Clint and Trey have always had an incredible chemistry. Like they played really true. well together. True, so true, true, there was a reason to keep Capella. I understood it. But like, so then what do you do? I mean, you have to trade DeJounte. I think you have to get it out of the DeAndre Hunter. business. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. You have to trade DeJounte because the situation is pretty toxic, it seems. And it's from a from an outside observer who's not following necessarily the day to day travails of the Hawks. It seems like he's miserable and wants to be gone. And the other people on the team want him gone, too. Yes. And it's also like you don't have wing depth like AJ Griffin's just out of the rotation. We don't know what happened at the beginning of the year that he, what just happened did. to AJ Griffin? He was, we don't know. We don't know what know, he was away for personal reasons for a long time. But he's got a good shot and he seemed like, well, no, he nice was away for personal reasons for the first oh. part of the year. 
and then he came back and has not been in the rotation and hasn't been a guy like but the and thing is like dad lost his job i mean it, doc rivers coup <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's a a pod for another day bob but it's look i think the hawks are in a position they don't they're not in a position of strength right now no You're they're in work- a tough place where they're they're, they're going to struggle to make the play in but tanking they're not actually possible. have you seen behind them in the east like it's over like the hawks can't tank their way out of the 10th spot no like, okay no. can i show you what the current uh nba uh, yes, Eastern... I... can we put 11th it are the nets who have lost three straight and have quiet quit the toronto raptors who have traded everybody and will probably continue to trade they've lost four straight the hornets 10 and 33 lost two straight here they're going to trade miles bridges and company they're going to continue to get worse the Wizards fired their coach. They're seven Terrible. and thirty-seven. They've lost six straight. And the Pistons are f- it, seeing the Pistons record is never not jarring. Five no. and thirty-nine. Um, yeah. You're not going to fall out. So like the Hawks don't really have a choice. They're gonna they can trade guys and try and sell off. But like guess what? Trey and Jalen is going to be enough to keep you in that ten spot. Like you're not going to be able yeah. to fall out of it. Yep. So they're in hell. It's a like, weird. Uh, yeah, they are stuck in a somehow sub mediocre. Yes. it's really I was talking bad. to some Hawks buddies like this has been the worst Hawks season in a really really long time because you're not tanking and trying to get something you have a yeah, star you're not developing the young guys and well you've got... developed Jalen Jalen's a huge win like Quinn turning sure. Jalen into what he is now huge win for Quinn Snyder like that is he has turned Jalen into a long-term core guy and that wouldn't have happened if they hadn't given away John Collins but for... they could have traded John Collins a long time ago like this yeah, when his value was higher just, yeah they kind of sat on that and they sat and they just Kevin Herter, you can't lose a valuable wing who can shoot and do other stuff for nothing. Like you traded him for Mo Harkless and Aaron Holiday, and both are not on the team anymore. Like, what are we doing? Kevin Herter's starting. He was starting playoff games last year for the Kings, and you just gave him away. Like, it's just the Hawks are in a horrible spot. They're not going to get great value for DeJounte Murray. They are going to, I guess, because to DeAndre Hunter. I, been... I, I think they're going to have to bite the bullet and take the Lakers poo-poo platter like Jalen. They're not taking. I will tell you this, D'Angelo Russell. Not it will be a mellow situation where he's wearing the jersey in Atlanta for a day and then he's. Oh yeah, no, uh, no, they'll they'll reroute. Uh, they'll reroute D'Angelo. Like yeah, he's, he's not. No, but they're going to. That's the contract. Well, he's a clutch platter. guy. Deal. so he'll never be in there no because clutch <laughs> hates the knicks <laughs> so no he will not be he will not be a knickerbocker but um no i just i i don't know that that package sucks like Rui, and it, there's it no really austin does. Reeves in it and oh that package just sucks and you're just depressed like the hawks there's no way out because uh someone asked me is like what's the way out and i'm like there is none yeah the picks are gone like trey signed i mean this is it. Like you've like it's over. Does Trey Young now? Do you, are we? Are you guys waiting for the Trey Young trade demand rumors to start leaking? No, because I think my gut tells me he likes still being the guy in Atlanta, and I think it's still yep. probably. I don't know. He's the face of the city. Like he's still. Yep. It sucks. He still wants to win. He just became a dad. Like Brad made this good point of like how much Trey is like grown versus what he came into the league as. Like he's now a new dad, married. He settled down. He's just kind of, I don't know. Like I think Trey giving the franchise more time 
because they give him so much influence that I don't see Trey asking out. You don't say, yeah, okay. But things can change. The right superstar talks to the right superstar and they're like, hey, when like the thing that I would worry about if I was a Hawks fan is, but I wouldn't worry about this because I think that's the best case scenario is OKC are like, we can make, we can put Trey next to Shay and make this work and chat and see what that kind of team built. Yeah, is. they're not going to do that. No, I don't think so either, but they have the war chest of picks where I'm like, if there was a team and he has the Oklahoma background and connection, like if Oklahoma City was the team that wanted Trey, and they came calling. I would be like, I would, I would very much listen. I, to that. I, I, I think there is, given the way that Presti has constructed that roster, where he values length and positional flexibility, and especially defensive positional flexibility above all, I do not think he's going to look at Trey Young and think that's the piece to put us over. I don't think so either, but I'm just saying like he has the like that's some I mean, when you look around the league, I'm like, I don't know who even makes the most sense for Trey right now. I don't know who jumps off the page of like, clearly this would be the right move for Team X to and they would have the assets to make it feasible. It's Brooklyn or Utah. Utah is definitely not a trade team. Danny Ainge doesn't strike me as a trade guy. Right. It's Brooklyn so, or Utah. I... Would you like all of the picks that they got in the Harden-Durant trade? That's There's an offer. The Nets would be fun if it was Mikhail. Like if Mikhail was the, the main trade chip and you get a lot of picks back. No, and... they, they're keeping Mikhail. You oh, get well, then I'd... The no, thanks. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, the, trade that's the home run. That is the, well, the Knicks can't trade for a superstar. Okay, but what if they trade for Mikhail Bridges and complete the former Villanova Wildcat Ultron with the New York Knicks. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Um, I, am, I am saying a... I don't think that's going to happen. No, I don't think it is. I think the odds of a Knicks-Nets crosstown trade are slim and to none. What was the... Is. Has there ever been a big Knicks-Nets uh, trade? There have been a couple, but not in... Who comes to mind? Like, I, I can't think of anybody off the top of the head. A, the the last really major the last time they really started exchanging guys is when they uh the Knicks oh god was it like Ray Richards Ray Williams and Michael Ray Richardson although he did a pit stop in Golden State before that and Bernard King all sort of flitted back and forth between New York and New Jersey Maurice Lucas was also involved in those in the like what year are we talking early here? we're talking like 1982 83 okay <laughs> i'm like what year are we talking that's how we're far back we're having to go four decades ago since mm. there was a yeah there has not been a major knicks nets trade really ever yeah there was the, the the biggest one of all was the rumored one that didn't happen the biggest trade that would have changed the entire fortunes of the nba between the knicks and the nets is mm. when the Nets were admitted from the ABA, when they were still the New York Nets, mm -hmm. they had to pay a relocation fee to the Knicks for X number of years. I think it was like the first eight years or something like that. Uh, Jamie, look that up. Could you fact check me on how many years that was? And because the Knicks were strapped for cash, they offered to give the Knicks Julius Irving if they would waive the relocation fee. 
And the Knicks hmm. said, no, we want the money instead. That's tough. Julius, Dr. J could have been a Nick in 1976, is what I'm saying. That's tough, Bob. Yeah, it's, it's a little tough. I mean, Bob. I wasn't around to root for them, but they could have had Dr. J. That would have been the biggest trade that they that, that got pulled off. It didn't happen. The Knicks kept the money. And I think they pulled off a different trade a couple of years later that did waive the relocation fee. So they lost the money anyway and never got Dr. J. The Knicks were badly run at the time. <laughs> the Knicks were a poorly run team. They were owned by CBS. So there were some weird decisions that were made. Hey, Bob. Yeah, what's up? What can the good folks check out from you across the internet this week? Uh, I, 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 I have some stories that I'm working on. Nothing is imminent. You can always find me on the terrible website, twitter.com, at Bob Sayetta, or at Bobby Silverman on Blue Sky, if you want to go to the Forbidden Zone. Mm-hmm. Chase, do you have a Blue Sky account? No, I don't want more. I don't like my Twitter. I don't want more social. That's what I'm, I'm telling people. I'm like, I feel like Larry David. I'm like, no more. I want less. I'm trying to de- I'm trying to get on less platforms. Okay. I'm just saying it's a social media uh, app that functions just like Twitter, except it's filled with lefty dirtbags. Well, do you, do uh, you have a code? Because I've never had a code. Yes, I have a code. I'll give you a code. All right, just give me a code. As soon as we log off, I'll give you a code, okay? Do they have links yet? I think the other thing, too, is like you couldn't link stuff, right? Or videos. You can't post link stuff. You can't thread things, and you can't post videos. You can post photos, but you can post links. Is he ever going to make, like, the, just make the equivalent? Like, when are they just, just turn into Twitter 2.0? Like, when is he going to make, like, what are the engineers doing over there? Why why can't they just make it? I I, I don't know. Anyway, I'll I'll give you an invite code as soon as we're done. I'd be on it. I just this has you been, get this that has feeling ex- where you're just like I want to be on less. I want to be on less. Yeah, that's probably smart. This has been some extended Hawks talk, and we, well, it's just somehow, more NBA talk. Somehow we scoring. touched on Mike Newland, and I didn't think we would get to that place either. It's fun. Look and up, yeah. yeah, we're fine, man. We're just talking ball, dudes. Remembering Chase, NBA, I, dudes. I, Chase. I have a, I have a I have a, an outside content question. Have you been watching the new season of True Detective? Uh, my wife and I watched the first episode and didn't like it. Okay. No, it's not good. It is fun. Yeah. But it is at times poorly constructed in ways that strain the bounds of credulity. And I'm not talking about the supernatural elements. I'm just talking about basic. Which are not good, by the way. Which are not good. Uh, the basic logic plot points and things where I go, wait, that happened? Mm. Jody who is clearly reviled in this fictional Las Vegas mining town. Spoiler alert. Um, wait, Las Vegas? Sorry, uh, Anch- uh, Alaska mining town. I was like, clearly wait a second. Reviled. Does it get that cold in Las Vegas? Am I missing something? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, climate change. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> clearly reviled in this remote Alaska mining town. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, when she needs to examine corpses, mm-hmm just whispers something to the wealthy wife of the my of the mining sci- the mining magnet and she gets to commandeer a whole hockey rink and nobody bats an eyelash about that no one not a problem that just okay all right fine and also it's characters like they they their personalities change from one scene to the next it's just not well done it's true detective though it's fine for but it's sad because like true detective like nothing's ever top one season three though was good season three was actually really good but also i the i think 
something some people have been discussing of like whether or not if it was called something else it would be regarded better like if you called you just didn't have the true detective name because again it would be called mayor of east town okay mayor of east town slaps love mayor of east town okay uh, did you not like mayor of east town I, I couldn't get through all the delco accents it was just it's a good, little though. too much mayor of town i miss i would do a season two of mayor of town but also like season one of true detective will never be top but like season three was good but also season yeah, true detective. one of true, let's be honest about season one it kind of went off the rails no it didn't you. i'm not doing they this with you, Bob. you're not ruining my saturday it, no no it, it's it's still great it's still fun they just didn't have enough t- they knew they had a limited run to finish things up and tie all the loose ends together and they kind of had to sprint to the finish and be like okay well then, yeah I didn't feel like that. I wouldn't say went off the rails. I just said it ended because they ran out of screen time. And in places it got a little. The premise, you know, the premise was was great. And then the resolution at time. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's got messy and sloppy. Max disagrees. He's been great. Max, what do you think? This is Duh. great. It looks like Max is literally in a different place than you and y'all are. Just, this is great. Never thought that this would be possible on this very show, but Max picked Isn't the perfect right, spot. Hi, buddy. You, he wants to go for. He's thinking this is enough sports talk. It's he heard it. He he, he heard. He, yeah. he wants to go. He yeah. He knows. Does. It to go. He, he knows. Walk it's raining here. Khalees the dog. Max the dog. It's time for a walk. But Bob, thank yeah, you as always, my friend. Andrew will hopefully have back next week as well. I hope you, Andrew, wherever you are. I hope you're okay. You He's sick. Oversleep. He dropped in the group chat. Oh, he did. I, I yeah. I missed that. Okay. Feel better, Andrew. Yeah. Feel better, Andrew. Um, go subscribe to the Daily Beast. Go subscribe to AL.com. Support local journalism because it needs it each and every day. Um, but thank you, as always, Bob, Andrew, wherever you are. We'll talk again next week. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, down there in my home state, Atlanta, Georgia, Locked On Hawks, Brad Roland, Partview Forever, where two, many are saying, uh, the most distinguished Partview alumni of the last 25 years. Uh, I don't think I'm omitting anyone, 
that jumps off the page here. So I think it's just uh, it's just Brad and Brad and Chase here. So we'll be battling for building name rights uh, at some point, I'm sure as well. But Brad, good uh, good uh, afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I uh, I would have wagered that you were going to bring up Parkview High School, and if you hadn't, I was going to. But here we are. Go Big Orange and all those fun things. Go Big Orange, Friday. man. All the time. We're all pro Parby on this podcast. Parby <laughs> forever. That's in the tagline. We got Joey Sturdivant, Parby legend coaching. So shout out to him. Buster Faulkner is the, is the OC now. Uh, isn't he at, where's he at? Tech, something like that. I don't know. He's, Who, he's Buster Faulkner? Buster, Buster's oh yeah, OC Buster Faulkner is the OC at Tech. Yes, that's what I thought. Uh, mm-hmm. All kinds of people. Luminaries everywhere. Matt Olson. All, all, the, all the fun stuff. So there you go. Absolutely. I mean, your brother was a good basketball player. Uh, he yeah, went up dis- against Lou Williams, right? Div- Division two basketball player. My brother, Ty. Yeah. Uh, yes, he played against Lou several times. Mm-hmm. It's uh, He's certainly uh, higher than me on the list of, uh, of alumni, but probably below Matt Olson. Let's do uh, I watching. I went to one high school game my because my uh, late grandfather was just big baseball guy. And we went to one part view baseball playoff game when Matt Olson uh, was there. And when you see him in person, like it was that same thing where you're like, this looks like a grown man uh, against a bunch of children where he was just launching dingers like it was yeah. nothing. And it was he was going to go pro. <laughs> it was one of those obvious things. Yeah, I went, I went to school with Jeff Rancor. It was very similar. Uh, it mm-hmm. was like he's a, he's an alien and the rest of us are not. And uh, that ended up being the case. So there you go. Absolutely. Um, well, Brad, always good to have fellow Parkview alumni on this very program. Not that we're biased. Uh, not that we're biased, but it, it definitely helps. And when we have a five-star pipeline, like five-star wide receiver Mike Matthews on his way to Tennessee <laughs> now from Parkview, look, if you can do it, if I can establish that pipeline and make Tennessee even better each and every day, then that is what we are going to do. But we are also going to talk uh, a little Atlanta Hawks because, Brad, this is the weird thing about this year. Um, I, You and I, we uh, watch every game and I, like, I'm like i taking notes and we're taping this before uh, Hawks-Mavs tonight, where I'm sure Hawks Twitter will have a normal one going against <laughs> Luka uh, tonight. But um my thing before the year, and I don't know where you had them um, prior to the season, but like the vibes were good. The vibes were, hey, Quinn gets his full offseason. He got to get the kinks out at the end of last year um, by coming in late. He gets his own staff. Like if the Hawks are healthy, they have a pretty obvious eight to nine guys. And the other thing that I had just kind of penciled in was they're just going to be old. Like Quinn's going to play older guys. They're going to have a veteran laden team. And those teams, generally speaking, will win a lot of regular season games. Like, I don't know if I'd necessarily believe in another Eastern Conference finals run, but I was like, this team theoretically should win a lot of regular season games. So I was pretty bullish on them being somewhere in that top five in the East. And they're just not. And the season's just kind of dwindling away now. And we'll see what happens in the trade deadline over the next two weeks. But I just don't understand night in, night out why the Hawks are actually just bad. And I, I can't put my finger on it. Brad, explain to me why the <laughs> Hawks are bad because I've never been more wrong about a team, a Hawks team than I was before this year. Yeah, I thought they were going to be better than this as well. You know, somewhere in that five to seven range in the East. Mm-hmm. It was like a safe projection, I thought. And uh, barring a surprise, that's not where they're going to be this year. I will say, and I'll, I'll do my spiel and then I'll kind of dig in a little bit deeper. Like, if you look at the numbers, if you sort of follow the way the advanced stuff looks, I think that they're in a vacuum. If you sort of sim the season, they would be better than this. Like they're not mm. 18 and 26 bad. I don't think I could be wrong about that, but that's even generously. That means they should be like, you know, 21, 23 kind of thing. It's like, it's like they're, yep. that's, they're not supposed to be super good based on their metrics and all that stuff. 
Part of that is injuries, but they have not been super hurt. It's just that it's the guys that they couldn't afford to be without. I, I think we saw when Jalen Johnson was out. Um, he's number one ahead of schedule. He's probably the number one bright spot of the whole season for the Hawks in a lot of ways, mm. which is positive. But when he was out, they were kind of drawing dead in a lot of different ways. They just don't have another guy any, that does anything like he does on either end of the floor, really. Like, they don't have a guy that replicates him. Even right now, like, I'm not going to blame their recent struggles on not having DeAndre Hunter, who's just an average player. Like, he's fine. But they don't have anybody behind him either. Like, they yeah. just don't have productive depth. So that, that's one area. I think their offense recently has been sneakily bad which is that's what really surprises me because you know defensively is the real problem this year on the big picture like they've been terrible defensively at times this year and that was maybe not foreseeable of them being terrible but they were never going to be good defensively mm. it was like the theory was top five offense and like the 17th best defense is what you're kind of hoping for um and then you know recently they, they just can't seem to make a shot you know part of that yeah. is trey's been out three three of the last what six games something like that mm. and they crater without him almost every time on offense but the supporting guys have been missing every shot. Bogey's been cold recently. Sadiq Bay's Harrison Matthews is like one of 37. <laughs> and, and, he, and he's been good until then, but now yeah. he can't make a shot. Sadiq Bay's had a terrible season shooting the ball. Um, so all that said, like that's kind of the nuanced version, but they just haven't been as good on defense as they were hoping to be. And when I say as good, I mean not as bad, I suppose. And then on offense, they were kind of playing at that elite level for the first, I don't know, 35 games or so, mm-hmm. 30 games. And then sneakily the defense has been a little bit better recently and of course like right on schedule the offense has kind of fallen off to where they can't yeah. take advantage of it so there's all kinds of things like at, at home they haven't been winning like their their road record is actually quite solid yeah like you, you're you're kind of just aiming unless you're the celtics you're kind of aiming to be 500 on the road or so and they're not far away from that but they are well below 500 at home and you just can't be good if you're going to go eight and 12 at home in 20 games like that's not going to work so I've said a lot of things. They're just not that good right now. That kind of leads, if you want to, to like the trade stuff. But yeah, I, I was wrong too. It sounds like I was maybe a little bit lower than you were, but I was still mm-hmm. way higher than this and thought that they were going to be in the top five to seven mix in the East. And like, that's just not where they are right now. No, and I'm just a big believer in like, when you have a top eight that's so veteran heavy, um, an all-star, guaranteed all-star in Trey, and then a fringe all-star in DJ, regardless of what you think about the fit, I just... I didn't see a scenario where they just could not gobble up a lot of regular season wins. And I had questions about what it would look like in the second round or things like that. But I mean, this is like very like depending on what they do over the next two weeks, like they're not even a play in team. Like the depending on yeah. what they decide they're, to do they're here. The, they're the 10 seed right now, which is yeah. like sneaky. And honestly, that's only because the East is not very good beyond yeah. the top seven. Like they I tweeted this during the game on Wednesday. I was like it's actually amazing to me that they would be in the play-in right now with as bad mm. as they have been. Like, they shouldn't be a play-in team at the moment. They, they would be if the season ended today, but like they're not that good. And I mean, not they to might not have a choice because like the Nets are quiet quitting, and then yeah, and have... a lot of teams are. That's the thing. Like yeah. that, the end of the East play-in race is always is always kind of grim. To be honest, yeah. like the last three years, it's always the Hawks have been a little bit like a half step above that. They've been in that seven, eight, nine mix. That ten spot race, <laughs> it was the Hornet. It was the Hornets one year. Like it's always mm-hmm. kind of really ugly at the end of the play-in, and I guess, I mean, the other thing that I should have said earlier, maybe we just overlooked it, you and I and others, like, they actually, the roster wasn't better than it mm. was last year, and the Hawks did a good job, I think, of explaining their vision on that, like, even if you didn't agree with it, and I didn't love the way they handled Collins for years, but they traded him for nothing, and that makes you worse, Heard but they too. were like, yeah, same thing, that was two years ago, but yeah, mm. the same same exact problem, but they were kind of like, look, this is going to be a year where Quinn has, puts his imprint on the roster. Mm. And that was the sales pitch. And I do think that Quinn, despite the results, is a upgrade on Nate McMillan. I think he's a good mm-hmm. coach. 
but that is not enough to transform a roster that last year, I mean, just this is sort of very simple on purpose, but they were a play-in team last year and their roster got worse. Mm. Now they got internal improvement too. Jalen Johnson is obviously a step or three better than he was last year. That that yeah. obviously helps you. But depth wise, we've seen recently, you've been watching, you're playing guys like Trent Forrest and Patty Mills yeah. and Garrison Matthews every single night. And like those guys are like they should Garrison Matthews is a good example of this. He should be your 12th guy, and mm. he's been their eighth guy for yeah. the last few weeks. You know what I mean? Like he's a perfectly fine deep rotation rotation player. Patty Mills has some strengths. Trent Forrest, I'm prone to loving, but Trent Forrest is on a two way for a reason. Like, yeah, these guys are playing every night. So, uh, you know, it's just there's a lot of things going on here, but I guess it was kind of foreseeable that they didn't improve the roster. So, why would the results improve more than just like the low hanging fruit of coaching stuff? Also, you're not getting anything from two of your last three first round picks. Like, Kobe Bufkin's yeah. not playing and has not been a factor. That's hurt. And then, I mean, he would have been nice with Trey being out and little things like that. And then you look at, um, AJ Griffin, which was out of their hands, so you can't ping the the Hawks for that. But he's been gone, and now he's not in the rotation. And you need wings, like like you said, no, Garrison Matthews, a twelfth guy. He's having to play, and AJ Griffin seems like it just to count on anything from him. I think this year would be bold, um, and they're and, not, just, and they're not. Yeah. I mean, if you watch if you watch closely, even at the end of games, like he's the last guy that comes in in garbage time. Yeah. Like the other he's night, on the end they, of the bench, right? Like, yeah, I feel like when not, I look over, he's way over there on the side, right? And yeah, it, it, it's hard to, it's hard to, people always ask me because they think I have intel and I, and I have more intel than some do about the Hawks, but like the AJ situation in general is so, I don't want to use the word odd. It's just, it's just difficult to know on the outside what's going on. There. Mm. It's a personal absence. He wasn't playing much before that, but he was playing a little, like he was yeah. like the 10th guy. You know what I mean? He wasn't quite as, he was, he wasn't had a good year, but he was like kind of in the mix when somebody was down, he'd play, et cetera. And then when he came back, he's he's literally not appeared in a competitive minute since he came back. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like that's going to be changing anytime soon. So, yeah, your point is a good one. In fact, I would say, aside from the DeJounte Murray rumors, the number one question I get from people that are outside of Atlanta, like people around the league that I know on teams or in the media, is like, what's happening with Griffin and Bufkin? Why aren't they playing on, a, on this team yeah. that's 18 and 26? And, like, I could give you the explanation for why, at least in my opinion – but I don't, it's not, it's not that it's easy to sell, like, especially, especially Bufkin, like he got mm. banged up early in the year. He, he broke his thumb and missed like five weeks. That's awful timing for a rookie yeah. guard. R- rookie guards are bad in general. So that's, mm. that's one thing. And I, and I like, I like Kobe a lot, but like the combination of that injury and Quinn, not liking young guys going back to Utah necessarily, if you watch the kind of what they did there, it does look weird though. If you're not good and you're not playing your last two first round picks who are both healthy yeah. right now, like it doesn't look normal. It looks strange. No. Um, in terms of Trey, though, because he's it's just <laughs> obviously he's going to be the pinpoint here of being 18, 26. He's missed time here. But I'm curious from your perspective, what do you think he's better at um, than what he's been in years past? And where are the limitations? Where are the fairest limitations still of having your team built around Trey Young in 2024? Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I feel like I've done not a 180, but. I always thought Trey was going to end up being a guy who was incredibly overrated. Mm. If that makes sense compared to what I yeah. think, because he fits the profile of that. Like I'm someone who values defense and I value the little things and all that stuff. And like, I always find myself maybe undervaluing the traditional like points guys, like score, yeah. you know, scores. Um, but it's kind of, it's kind of gone the other way. Like I'm actually shocked that Trey young, in my opinion, is pretty clearly underrated now. And yeah. that, that, kind of, that kind of blows my mind. Like he was not someone that I ever thought was going to be underrated by like the mainstream. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was always kind of a guy that maybe I thought was going to be underrated by analytics people or whatever. Anyway, that's it's kind of a non sequitur, but I, it's kind of a weird path that he has taken. Like, mm. I, I often wonder if the Hawks had not made the conference finals, which did, which did happen. He was awesome in that run. Man, imagine how little people would think of him if, if that didn't happen. Like, he, he gets yeah. he gets kind of piled on now, even with a conference finals run where he was the best player on a Final Four team. And like, man. I think about some of the stuff that I see on a daily basis about, you know, it's all Trey Young's fault. They're better without Trey Young. And it's like, yeah. I, I don't know what you're watching. You think they're better without Trey Young. It's just, it's, it's just not born in reality. But yeah. to your question where he's gotten better, I do think, and this is going to sound funny, he's gotten better defensively. Like he has. Hmm. I mean, that's pretty clear. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. He's not a good defender. Mm-hmm. Getting better on defense does not mean he's a good defender. He used to be, I don't know if he was ever as bad as people would say, because I think point guard in general it's kind of hard to be the quote unquote worst defender in the league. If you're a point guard, like, because mm. most of the time point guard is not a great defensive position. Um, but he was bad. Flat yeah. out bad. Um, and I think he's kind of, he's gone from being like a fifth percentile defender to a 25th, 30th. Yeah. Like he's just below average. Now he doesn't kill you on a regular basis. And I think that unless you watch the locks all the time, you wouldn't know that, which is fine. Nobody has to watch every game, but that's kind of a, a good area. I think he's also gotten better. Um, as like just I don't know, I don't want to say this maturity wise like mm. he was a he was a 19 year old when he came in I think even if you just watch the way he interacts with people you know the media stuff's overblown but he's way better with the media he's just he's just a better more like reflective human like he's he's mm. a father now like I think he's he's an adult now like he and he was then but like he's a grown man it, it is what yeah. it is like he's just become better in that respect and yeah he's still there's still limita- limitations there but I try to lead with the fact that like you can't fake 27 and 11. Like you just, mm. you can't, you can't, he's one of the best passers in the world. He's still a really good score. He's top 10 in the league and scoring again this year, but there are to bring it full circle. There are limitations. This, that was always the, the worry when you built your roster around a, a guy who is generously listed at six, one and one eighty. Yeah. Like it is hard. And it, there's a reason if you look at the recent history of the league, no, there has not been a best player on a championship team shorter than six, three, since 1990 yeah and people love the step thing it's like steph's always been underrated steph is, height. Steph, like, is, steph is six three number one yeah. and number two he's the best shooter to ever live like he's he's an, he's yeah. he's the outlier of outliers and yeah like it is fair that he's that he's been their best player for i mean you could argue him versus katie at one point but he's been the best player on on multiple championship teams yeah that has happened but like he's not the same as a traditional small point guard. He's a yeah. bigger point guard who is also, again, the best shooter of all time. And that system's different, all that stuff. So I kind of put them to the side a little bit. And yeah, I mean, you can even argue Isaiah Thomas, obviously the best player on that team, best office player on that team, but that was a true ensemble cast. Yeah. And that was also a true defensive juggernaut in the way that you would have a hard time building these days. Like What's you can't Chauncey? I mean, I guess he was their best player, but like that was a team that was completely built yeah, defensively with a, and honestly, I, I think the best player might have been Ben Wallace. It's just that he was not the best offensive yeah. player. Those was their best shot creator. So, yeah, maybe you could argue. But even then, by the way, that's twenty years ago, Chase. That's yeah. twenty. That's two thousand four. That's a long time ago. So, and that's not Trey's fault. It's just inherently difficult. It doesn't mean it's impossible. It I, also I, I, doesn't necessarily matter in some no. respects. Where I'm just like, hey, you know, it'd be nice for Atlanta sports and like what this. I mean, I never believed that the the five, the, the greatest uh, starting five in Atlanta Hawks history, the <laughs> players of the month, the the, yeah. the the group players of the month in January years ago, fans like that. Um, they had a lot of fun being the number one seed and just playing without a true superstar. But I think you and I and everybody like we still like the NBA Twitter people and uh, the analysts, I guess. 
we were like, I mean, they're not winning the title. I mean, they're not going to beat LeBron. Like, there's still no. limitation here. But you know, it's it's really cool. And if Trey is not good enough to do that, but like you are selling a lot of playoff tickets, you can be some version of the Steve Nash Suns for a while, yeah. or what Dame had in uh, Portland for a while. That's still a lot better and something that a lot of people kill. Because if you're just in a full sum game of title or bust, I'm like, guess what? There's only like six or seven guys any given year that can win a title are good enough to be the best player on a title team. So if that's your arbiter, you're just going to be angry and really annoyed as a fan all the time. No, I think it's a good point. And I think one of the one of the reasons why and look, a lot of people locally still like Trey a lot and they should. Mm. Trey is a star. You could argue if he's the best player since Neek, but like he's certainly the most high profile player they've had since Dominique Wilkins. Like he's yeah. the most famous player they've had in 30 years. But the thing is, I think what makes it harder for some folks is that if they were the five seed every year in this run, mm. I, I think there would be a lot more optimism. And yeah, yeah, the realists would be like, hey, this is not a title team. But I think that if they had a star like Trey and they were also winning. And I mean, winning mm. in a general sense, winning 47 games a year. Yeah. You know, that would be not a hard sell to a lot of people. I think eventually. Kind of like the Matt to, Ryan Falcons, where you well, just felt going of, into it yeah. every year. You're like, we're going to be good. I don't know if we'll ever be good enough to win a title, but we're going to be good every year. And that does help you. I, I just think mm. that it, this is now the third straight year of them being a, as mid as possible. Just <laughs> just to put it that very plainly. Yeah. Florida and, is bad, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I don't believe now there's this there's this notion and look this is always gonna be the case uh in football it's quarterbacks and head coaches in basketball it's best players and head coaches mm-hmm. that are going to get all the heat and i think objectively speaking trey is not the reason they're 18 and 26 i think trey's yeah. had a pretty good year he had a slow start he's been pretty good since then he's had a couple of injury absences but in general he's very durable he plays he plays all the time i think he will be back tonight probably as we as we're, as we're speaking now he's questionable well, it's luke and i you have to be back yeah i think okay. he's gonna play um, if he's, I mean, it, it, it's a concussion, so they have to actually just clear him. But if he's clear, he's yeah. going to play. Um, but yeah, I think that he's not the reason why they're losing. And I think if you look at just a, from a bird's eye view and you see the Hawks are terrible defensively, people are like, ha ha ha, that's because of Trey Young. And it's like, no, that's not because of Trey Young. Is he mm-hmm. part of the problem defensively? Absolutely he is. But you know who else is part of the problem? Sadiq Bey, Bogdan Magnanovich. Like they have all kinds of defensive problems. And Yeka and Kongwu. DeJounte Murray. I mean, a guy who was like, who was billed as this great defender has not been in Atlanta. DeAndre so, Hunter never being available. He's always hurt, et cetera. So yes, mm-hmm. I think that there's this notion now that Trey is just like not good and I, I don't understand it. But at the same time, it, it is also limiting the way you build yeah. your team. And the Hawks did to their credit under Schlank and others, they they tried to build the roster that I would have tried to build in theory mm-hmm. with a couple of six, eight wings who could be rangy and defenders, but they happened to miss badly on Cam Reddish and miss partially on DeAndre Hunter, if not mostly and trade and overpay for him in the trade, all those things. They at least did what I would have probably tried to do too, which was surround Trey with long rangy defensive minded players. But they it's just a combination, right? They it's a combination that. of those two guys and also getting nothing for John Collins and Kevin Herter. Yeah, I mean, it's bad. This, That's a I, lot of depth. You and, and I could probably do two investment. hours on this. They, yeah. They've done so much. And it's it's hard to explain because the stuff that they've done, they don't have a lot of like zero percentile outcomes. Like They don't have a lot of like individual disaster transactions. <laughs> It's yeah. that they it's that they keep kicking the can down the road and then they kind of punt and punt and punt and then like quietly make a bad move. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are moves that I've yelled out yelled about for years, like not to go back to Hunter, but that was a that was a bad trade. They, they traded yeah. too much for DeAndre Hunter. Um, I didn't like the didn't pop side out. pick. I thought that was a risk. Well, and, exactly. <laughs> and the Collins thing was a was a uh, culmination of three years. Like by the mm-hmm. by the end, 
if you said if you just woke up on one day at the end and be like, you know, trading John Collins on that contract and not having to pay to get off of him in a vacuum is not the worst result possible. But it was the problem is how they got there. It right. was when they signed him, they didn't squeeze him. They didn't trade him when, when he had more value. They just kept pushing it and pushing it, pushing it. By the way, they're doing it again right now with, with Click Capella. Click Capella yeah. was a top 10 defender in the, in the league three years ago. They could trade him this offseason for a big They could haul. trade him this Dallas, summer. Whoever, like, yeah. They didn't have to extend him, and they did. Mm-hmm. They did and they did it a year early, and now they're paying that price for that. And he's still, and the thing is, just like Collins, he's still a fine basketball player, yeah. but he's, his value has gone down and down and down, and the whole league doesn't, they're not oblivious to that. So it's yeah. just like death by a thousand cuts for this Hawks team for the last few years. And that's that's kind of why, why they're here, because like I think we probably agree they were not actually a top four team in the league in 2021. They got yeah. hot at the right time. But objectively, though, they were better than they are than they are now, and yeah. they just kind of have gone incrementally down. And that's it's kind of a tough sell when, especially, you've already paid three first round picks for a guy that was supposed to make you stop going down, and it didn't really happen. And it's also funny because, like, I think this is something that fans struggle with, is just like the, the the lore of young guys, where it's like obviously he'll get better. Because I think Hawks fans are like, well, obviously Cam will figure it out. Obviously DeAndre Hunter will figure it yeah. out. Obviously John Collins will add this to his game. Obviously, um, and Yeka and Kong will be will be the long term answer at the five. You know what I mean? Like it's just this when they're 19, 20, 21, you're like, oh, there's there's this opportunity. Here's some flashes like that. We've got our core. We've got our guys. And then suddenly they're 24 and you're like, oh, this is not a star or, oh, this guy can never be healthy. Oh, this guy is actually not a great long term option. And it, it comes quickly. And like you said, it's just a death by a thousand cuts over the last few years. I just don't know what they do because like DeJounte Murray is probably, I mean, Jalen Johnson's your best trade chip. Like point, like yeah, stop. yeah. Your Tra- best. Tra- you Trey and Jalen are in their own tier of value. If like if they yes. decided to trade share, they would get they would get the most for those guys. I think they, Murray would be next on the list. Um, and he is available as you're, I'm sure, about, about to talk about. <laughs> I've heard DeJounte Murray might be uh, in some rumors, but I will say I, it's such a weird thing as a, uh, like you're more in the, you're in the media space. So you're not the, you're not a Hawks fan uh, anymore. But like for me, it's weird to have DeJounte Murray hit two game winners. And part of you is like, oh, awesome. And the other part is like, this better not change how they view DeJounte and the trade. Yeah. Fit, and he better not stay through the deadline and they keep another guy too long and have to move him for nothing so it's just i what does your gut say on Dejounte? do you think he's ultimately moved in the next two weeks or do you really do you think there's a s- sneaky strong possibility he stays through the deadline i've waffled a little bit i think um about a week and a half almost two weeks ago i was uh getting lots of calls and texts and emails and things uh, i thought it was very likely at that point i think mm-hmm. that there was a potential that some of the stuff that's been reported since then about the Lakers. And I'm not sure it was just the Lakers, but that deal I, heard, stinks. You can't I was that. hearing, I was hearing rumors mm. that he might get moved like right then kind of thing yeah. about two weeks ago. Uh, it's cooled since then a little bit. I still, and I said this last time on my show too. I, I think that it's still more likely than not that he has moved, but it's closer to 50 now than it was to, than it was then. My, yeah. my meter has gone down in the last week and a half, but it could go back up again. Like it's, we're in that two weeks area. Now we're like, there's not a ton of urgency to do it right this second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it you mentioned it a little bit, but it really does come down to what the Hawks ultimately want to do big picture. And I wish I knew the answer to that. I've tried to do some reporting on it. Um, they're not, I, w- I, w- I would say to defend the Hawks, they're not probably in the business of telling you what they're thinking right now. Cause why would they, it doesn't really help mm-hmm. them leverage wise, but it's like, okay, do you want to, you know, keep him, keep him where he's one option, right? They could keep him. Uh, 
I will say that's just as a, as a sidebar to the Murray thing. Uh, and you, I'm sure you know this, this, this type of fan. There are some people that never think about the player side. Mm-hmm. They, they're thinking, why did we just sign this player to, I'm speaking as, as a fan right now. Mm-hmm. Why, do, why did we sign this player for this contract? And now we're already looking to trade him six months later. And the answer to that is always more nuanced than you think it is. But also mm-hmm. don't, don't ignore, like there has been plenty of buzz behind the scenes that DeJounte is part of this conversation. If DeJounte badly wanted to stay and was making it very known that he wanted to stay, the noise would not be this loud. Like mm. this is this is a two-way thing. I'm not saying he's demanded a trade, but like this is not just a Hawks thing. Yeah. I, and honestly, it and I will say this. You remember the Blake Griffin situation where he got traded six months after he signed with the Clippers and they yes. wooed him and did the whole thing? Mm. That was really bad. That was actually like these people are human beings and they should be treated as human beings. Like and to woo a guy like as a Hall of Famer, basically, and then trade him six months later when he didn't want to be traded, that's a bad look. Mm. Doesn't mean you can't do it. But that's a bad sell to other agents. It's bad relationship management. That's not what's happening here. Like, I think if, De- and look, and maybe they, maybe there's a world where DeJounte wants to stay, but that's not the messaging. Like, I think if, if, if DeJounte wanted to stay in Atlanta, you would have heard it by now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one of those things. So that makes, that's part of the mix too. And it's also like, it's been reported, but some, some of that's like, okay. We, it's not easy to trade Capella. It's not easy to trade Hunter, and we need to change something. Well, it was easier we, for Capella. You could have done it this offseason. Like, I agree. It was, I, I like, mean, I'm I mean not letting now. them out of here. Yeah. I, no, I agree. I, I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, like once you've now seen another half season of this mid product yeah. that we just talked about for 15 minutes, like maybe there's a realization. I would say I hope there's a realization in the organization that the status quo is not not is not an option moving forward. Yeah. Um, Big picture. Now, now, that doesn't mean you have to make a trade right now today before the deadline. But I think if you between now and the end of July, when the business is mostly done for the summer for the for the league year, if you still have this roster, something has gone wrong. Because like this roster is not even if I think they're better than this, and they they are in my mind, they're not good enough to do anything with this team. Like they have to no. make changes. And I'm not saying it's the only way to do it, but an easier way to do it is to trade Dejounte because he actually has value. You can move on from him now, get stuff back. And also, it's been—I think it was Jake Fisher, my friend from Yahoo—reported this. Like, there's a, a notion at some cores of the Hawks that's like this pairing doesn't work. The yeah. Trey Dejounte pairing. And if you if you believe that as the Hawks, you have to trade Dejounte. Like, you yeah. can't just keep kicking it down the road. If you if you actually think that, I'm not saying that's my opinion, but if, if that's the if that's an internal thing, you 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 have to move. And I think right now, when he's playing fairly well, his reputation's still intact. Um, he's a valuable player. On a, by the way, a good friendly extension. Yeah. Not a huge bargain, but one that like everyone in the league would have signed. It's a good contract for the yeah, Hawks cool. To have. But like that would have been great if he had just signed that as a free agent, not you gave up the picks and everything else before. Well, that, that so. oh, strong agree with that. I mean, mm. the trade versus the extension are different. The trade, yes. I think, and I was, I think I'm, I've proven to be right. There, there was, I didn't bash the trade when it happened. Yeah, I merely said, hey, they paid. 110 110% of the cost. Like they they did yeah. there's no bargain there. Like they they paid a lot and a lot and a lot for DeJounte. And if it had worked, it's one of those classic things. DeJounte hurts the same exact thing from the trade back in the day on the trade. Yeah. If it works, no one cares about the about what you paid. Right. No one cares. But when it doesn't work, you go back and you think, man, maybe they actually did overpay. And part of my job is like in the yeah. moment to be like, did they overpay or not? And I did say, like, hey, they probably overpaid here. And the whole league was like, hey, that kind of makes sense, but man three picks in a swap that's a lot you have for no Johnson idea how Murray. this is going to work next to trey like the thing with that though too remember at the time it feels like forever ago but like i was a big pounding on the desk for beal 
where I was like, the reason I understand, because everyone was so worried about defense, and that was the reason that DeJounte was so appealing, where they're like, oh, he'll hide a lot of trace weaknesses. That and I'm like, yep. I get that thought, but I'm also like, are we sure the best strategy is not, we're going to hire Dan Tony and have the number one offense in the league with Trey and another offense-only guy, and yep. we're just going to go scorched earth on that front and just see how far it gets. And that's what I preferred. Because I was like, I just think people are way too obsessed with being a top 10 defense or whatever. I'm like, with Trey, there's just going to be limitations on that front. But you have a just a historically good offensive league guard that are hard to find in this league. Yeah. I would just rather go with the other sure offensive firepower, three-point uh, assassin in Beal. I just think they would have worked. And even if it's a, some your turn, my turn, I don't care. I at least know he's an elite shooter and Trey plays really well next to elite shooters. And that's where I would have like, I'll still go die on that hill that that would have been the better pairing. And I think it would have been a guaranteed top five offense if they're both healthy year over year in the league for a while. Yeah, I mean, there there is a school of thought of just going that way. It hurts me in my soul because I really value defense, but it's not the craziest thought when you're already kind of leaning that direction to even go further into it and make your strength stronger but it goes back to the theory of the case and about the murray trade you know half of that package was supposed to be that i don't know if he was supposed to fix the entire perimeter defense but he was supposed to be a huge net positive on defense and that has not happened no so that's part of it and then a lot of attention was paid to the offense it's kind of funny now because when the deal happened around the league most of the attention was paid to the offensive fit which makes Mm -hmm. sense you have these two point guards playing together and it was like hey this is going to work and it was kind of imp- it was kind of assumed that he would help the defense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's kind of been the other side. They've actually fit better on offense together than some people would probably assume right now. If you haven't watched the Hawks a lot in the, in the last year and a half, and all you see is the record, you might assume that hey, that Trey Murray offensive pairing didn't work out. Yeah, and it's like that's kind of a fair thing to say on on the surface. It hasn't been perfect, but like they've been pretty good to find on offense. It's the mm-hmm. fact that the defense did not come along at all. So I guess in, in, to your point about Beal or whoever it would have been, if they had just gone even more, like I've seen this argument, I'm not sure it's true. If they had just gone with what they had before and gone mm. with Bogey and Herter, would they have been better? I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, they would have been worse with, they would have been worse with Troy off the floor. We saw yeah. that for multiple years. That was also part of the trend. By the way, that actually, that part of it's worked. DeJounte yeah. has lifted the floor of the non-Trey minutes, but that's still, it's 12 minutes a game. Like that doesn't change mm. your life that much. Um, yeah. I just, I what, what, where right do you now. think about the Murray pairing now? I feel like they're kind of not necessarily at the end of the road, but man, I'll be one thing I will say, I'll be shocked if both of them are still on the team in a year and a half. I mean, maybe they don't, maybe they, maybe they don't trade Murray now, but like, is he going to be, is our Trey and Ajante both going to be on the team in 2026? I kind of don't think so. I mean, it will either of them be on the team in 2026. Well, that's a, that's a fair thing. I, I've always heard just to say it out loud. Uh, nothing that I've ever heard is that the Hawks are looking to trade Trey unless he wants to be traded. Yeah, that's what that could change if the I'm thunder saying. keep rising and the thunder are like, I want to. Yeah, no, he could ask. He could he could ask out. Um, I, that's probably not going to happen in the next two weeks. If he asked, if he asked out this summer, I wouldn't fall on the floor. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I, there's this notion out there that the Hawks should trade him now. And it's like, no. I have never heard a rumbling, even yeah. any, even a tremor anywhere about the Hawks actively trying to trade Trey. And I think it would take him being like, I'd like to go now, please. And if that happened, I don't know how they would respond. I think most of the time players that ask to be traded at that level get out. They don't yeah. get they don't they don't get trapped in that spot. But uh, we're not there yet, at least from what I heard. 
And I'm excited for how long that drags out because none of it's going to be quick. Like every move uh, with any uh, rotation piece star, whoever, it just seems like uh, it's going to be it's going to be a while. Uh, Final thing here and then we'll go. Brad, you're on the clock. You have 10 seconds. Your gut. (laughs) DeJounte Murray is traded. Yes or no. And part two, who do you think it's to and what kind of package? I'm more confident in the first part. I would say, yes, he is traded. Okay. More more likely than not. So I'll say yes. Um, I don't think any team is 50% or higher. Hmm. If that makes sense. I think the most likely team, if he is traded is the Lakers, which I already heard you say you hate that package. And I don't blame you. I I don't blame you for that. Yeah. But the Intel behind the scenes is that they have been the most aggressive. Um, He's represented by clutch. Throwing that out there, that's part of the it's part of the deal. That's what I was talking about before about the yeah. agency and player matters here. They have a say whether they should or not. I think there's this notion that fans think like once the guy's under contract, they can be moved wherever they want to be moved. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that's just not how that works. I mean, it yeah. kind of is, but sometimes on, at, at a certain level of player, and DJ's in that level, top fifty guy in the league, they're going to have some agency. They're not going to get mm-hmm. shipped around with no agency. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say the Lakers are the most likely team if he is traded. Still sub fifty percent there. But they, they they have the urgency level. I think he also fits there, which the Hawks don't have to care about that. They shouldn't care about that. Yeah. But he does fit there, which means the Lakers have incentive to be aggressive to get him. Um, I think he would be open to going there. Uh, they have some assets. They're not great assets, to your point. I do think the 2029 first round pick gets an eye roll from people, and I understand why. That is a valuable draft pick. Um, is that does that mean that fans have to like that? No. But um, if they wanted to, I would, for me, if I was a Hawks fan, I'd view that pick as something to trade more hmm. than something to wait until 2029 to pick a player. Does that make sense? Um, and the rest I'm of it is not for, great. Like, holding my nose and just doing the Spurs deal and like just sending him back well, to San Antonio. Yeah, if, if Kellen, I, I haven't if, heard uh, that they're, I haven't heard it. that they're offering really much. They've talked, but I've not heard a firm off. I, I actually, my sleeper team that, uh, well, I have two sleeper teams. One is actually more plausible. I think the Nets should be aggressive and they have cold and they make sense because yeah. they, they need the point guard and they have some assets. Also, the Hawks could do the thing with the Nets where they actually get some stuff back that can help them now. Like if you can mm. get Dorian Finney-Smith or something like that, like that you, you kind of do both things. You Royce get O'Neal some, back in the fold with Quinn. You get some, yeah, you get some capital plus some guys who might be able to help you in the meantime yeah. for this retooling. And the off-board, no reporting sleeper is Orlando. I think Orlando should try to trade for DeJounte. Now, have, I've not heard that they are. I'm just saying if I was Orlando, I would I would I would be calling on DeJounte first. I don't hate that. Uh Brad, what can the good folks check out from you over at Lockdown Hawks and everywhere else this week? You mentioned Lockdown Hawks. That is there. I recorded a mailbag, lots of trade stuff yesterday. I'll have a podcast after the game tonight. We're recording this on Friday. Uh they play again Sunday. It never the Hawks are actually at home a lot right now, which is going to mm-hmm. be good and bad for me. Lots of time at the arena. Uh also I write about the Hawks at patreon.com slash BT Roland. And uh, I do stuff for dime, non-Hawk stuff. Well, sometimes Hawk stuff, but that's NBA and college and draft. So those are the places. Also, I guess, I guess this, this is an all-quadrant show. Mm-hmm. I'm also the founder and co-host proprietor of the Battery Power podcast covering the Braves. So there that's the go. thing that I do on a regular basis. That I always forget to plug because I'm talking about basketball, but this is not just a basketball show. So no, Braves show, not. Battery Power. There you go. I love it. Brad, thank you as always for the time. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. And we'll have to do this again soon. My pleasure, sir. Happy to do it. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.